welcome to the Vibe Union Podcast, chatting with Melbourne musicians, careers and keeping an eye on the scene. I'm your host for today, Rath. Before we get started, I'd like to acknowledge uh, the traditional custodians of the land that we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. These are stolen lands that we're living on. We pay our respects to elders, past, pre- present and emerging. There's a lot of dark history here in this country. We need to all be aware of that and we can all play a role, not only in the awareness, but in positive action towards a better future for all. Today, we are joined by fellow Vibion director and resident head of Curls. It is Georgia Delaney Martin. Hello, Georgia. You can- Hello. Yeah, we've only got one microphone for us, so there'll be a little bit of that. And our special guest for today. We're very excited about this. You've seen him in the shower and shouting from the floor of his bedroom in his Instagram stories. It's the Mandrel Man, a.k.a. a Journeyman. Say hello, Journeyman. Hello, everybody. Mandrel Man, Journeyman. You have just dropped a new EP project. I have. I have. A nice little EP. Nice, nice little seven track. Nice little seven track EP. Yeah, That's I'll, the I'll, right I'll, number I'll. of tracks for an EP, by the way, people. None of these three track EPs. Get it out of here. <laughs> unless you're doing seven. No, you've got four tracks. Don't you worry about it. You're all sweet, Georgia. <laughs> your it songs, apply, are, your songs are longer. It drives me nuts when people drop EPs that are like three, song long, three songs, but they're like two minute songs. Drives me nuts. But in that insult, because you're also producing the EP. Yeah. You yourself. Oh, I'm so terribly sorry to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Mandrel Man, Primal sure. Spiral. Mm-hmm. That is the project. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about it. Ah, uh, yes. So, this project came about because literally one night I was spending some time in my bed as nighttime does and a man from Berlin, Germany who I've never met or spoken to before had found my music through the old Instagram web chain. I don't know what you really call it. And he dropped me like a folder full of beats out of the blue and then some said something that was vaguely English that was along the lines of, hey, man, if you have this, you could probably use them. And I was very, very excited because I was in a musical drought and I didn't really, really know what to do. And I figured... This might be pretty interesting. So I, I downloaded this folder, hopefully it wasn't like some weird NFT scam and it ended up being like a pack of like 12 beats and it was a fucking field day. So I ended up and um, I sort of figured that it, it would probably work out kind of well if I just smashed out a quick EP with this one guy's beats because it would all be cohesive so I had this idea of making it somewhat relevant to the current situation in my life, which was being 25 and moving back home with my parents, which seemed fucking depressing as shit. So I was like, all right, this is called the primal spiral. So I called it that for the um, accentuation of the limbic system in my brain, being that I'm a big emotional shit cunt and all I do <laughs> is whinge and moan. And me, 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 self-absorption. But the thing is, I could do that in a creative manner so that I didn't uh, spew it onto my lovely parents who welcomed me back home and my beautiful friends. So it was kind of like this nice little rejoice of my emotions in seven tracks or less. Um, Do you feel like you were able to capture where you're at in this EP? Sometimes I think a little bit too overtly. I think sometimes I would have benefited more from a little bit of like mystery in a way. I almost feel like I could have gone As like too more. too direct? Yeah. Like okay. I feel like I could have been like more lyrically cryptic and creative with it, but I sort of came with this approach of this almost like um, 
again, like this like primal directness of just being like, I'm just going to say shit regardless of the reaction. And I think um, what what helped was I kind of did this thing where if I did that for one verse, the second verse, I would think more about what I just said. So it was almost like mm. one part of the song would be incredibly reactionary and one would be thought out and logical. Mm. So it was almost like I'm almost like viewing the spiral as it happens. Okay. Yeah. Like left and right brain of the, ex- yeah. of the experience? Essentially that. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like it was a therapeutic experience? Very. I feel a lot better now, to be honest. I don't feel as from, pathetic. From recording yeah. it, you feel yeah. like you've moved through. Yeah. And if anything, it was more fun recording than it was releasing it. Like it came out, like I put it like through like the distribution stuff and it like dropped and I felt nothing. But during the actual process of recording it, I felt great. It was so nice. Mm. It was like... Okay, everything that I wanted to say and everything I felt feels like it doesn't matter in a good way. It was like, oh, it's all gone now. It's all past. Mm. And now I can just like move on to whatever's going on next in my life. So I almost feel like weight's off my shoulders. Did you feel like you were able, like, did you have to filter anything through that experience of like what you wanted to share, what you didn't want to share? Um, I'm a pretty angry person. Like I stifle a lot of rage. So it's sometimes it's a little bit hard to sort of go all the way in on that because you can really scathe a lot of people I don't mm. know if that's the correct word but I think um no I didn't filter myself a lot at all in fact you in a few of the songs it's really evident that I'm not filtering myself at all and I think um that's what gives it it's like sort of like namesake the whole primal nature of it all is like I sort of it was like a loose concept. I didn't really have the concept in mind. Like I didn't have the EP title, anything like that in mind at all. It was kind of like a whole bunch of songs again. Cause like this guy just like kind of randomly dropped them out of the blue. And I just thought it all tended to be this internal view. Like I, I was discussing it with a few of my friends and they were like, this is a very internal kind of thing. And they couldn't relate to it. And I was almost like, good. It's for me. Mm. Right. And, um, no, like I, I certainly didn't censor stuff because I showed my parents and they certainly said, ah, oh, censor more. Mm. And I was like, nah, mm-hmm. I like it how it is. So I don't know. You're going to, mm. I'm in, interested to kind of ask you in terms of like, do you release music or is your creative process for yourself or do you like knowing what feedback and what response you get from people in stuff that you release? Is it a bit of a cop-out to say both? Not at all. Because it's very much both. It's like, it's definitely for me, but the feedback is so wanted and the more I get it, the more I can fine-tune the next project. Mm. So it's kind of this nice little balance of both, Mm. really. Mm. Because you feel like you've shifted through this phase, Mm. how do you feel about performing it live? Horrible. I feel really scared to perform it live because it comes with a boatload of memories and emotions. And that's the shit bit about it being like so personal, internal and almost private is I had so much time to just kind of sit in my room and in that little recording space to really think through about what was going on Mm. that it sort of felt like it was me. And to be able to like give it the same energy and translate it to an audience uh, gives me the heebie-jeebies. Mm. And I know that's like overthinking of it in a lot of ways. I know that that's what it is. But I care about it in a way that I know people aren't going to care about it and that annoys me. 
it sort of it plays on my ego. I'm like, don't. It's a loss of control. Yeah. In a way. And I think in a way I sort of have difficulty with losing the control of that aspect of the project because it's like it was mine and mm. like it becomes theirs once I perform it to them, right, mm. almost in a way. And I, I'm, I'm almost like it's funny. I, I would have – tangent. I would have like really welcomed the idea of someone being like, oh, like you spoke to me through music, blah, 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 in like previous kind of aspects. But – I dread the idea of someone listening to it and be like, oh, bro, I can relate to this. I'd be like, shut up. <laughs> Get away from me. This is mine. Like, don't, none of this is about you. And that's truly selfish of me, but I don't like that aspect of it. And I think that's what scares me about live. It's like the idea that like, if anyone actually sees themselves in it, it means it's not mine anymore. And that's the egotistical aspect, I assume. But then how – so what you just said before of it being both for mm. the artist – sorry, for, for yourself and mm. for the audience, how does that play into that then? I, I, I'm, more, I'm more sort of like asking for critique. Does that make sense? This is more about like the, the idea of it being both is like I really want people to look at it and sort of look at me. I want people to kind of look at the version of me that is the version of myself that I critique harshly. And look at it and maybe critique it in the same way. Maybe that's a self saboteur instinct. I don't know. But it's this idea that like I want people to tear it to shreds so that people can like look at it and look at me. Be like, this is the kind of person you are. This is the kind of things you have to say and what you think about. And this is what your music says about you. I kind of see it more of like a tell me about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that says a lot, doesn't it? We're very different. Ah. <laughs> I, yeah, this is, I mean, I don't give a fuck how it comes across, but I would rather <laughs> like someone tell me that they resonated with what I'm doing yeah. and that they love it and not be torn to shreds or like critique what I'm doing. Yeah. I can't, I can't handle that. Yeah, but that's healthy. Do you know what I mean? Like you're doing it in a very like healthy, productive I manner. I, I think there's a middle ground for both of us. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. There's like a balance there. But yeah. Like, it's probably not great to sort of like come in with the aspect of like, yeah, fuck me up. Do you know what I mean? So I think, yeah, you've, you've got a, a sort of, I'd, I'd say out of my opinion, that's a healthier approach on your end. Mm. Probably not so for me. Okay. Because um, we were speaking um, before we hit record earlier about music being um, a mirror for the audience. Um, not all music, there's certain music that is trying to say a very direct thing, often more like political music is like, I've got a fucking point that I want to make, This, whatever it is, doesn't matter, I was going to make an example, we know what I'm talking about. And then there's some music that is just vibing out, chilling out, talking about drinking, drugs, cars, blah, 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 whatever. And then there is kind of this beautiful middle ground of kind of powerful poetry that is... So it's just triggering for people and it allows them to explore themselves in a certain space. And we spoke um, about we both kind of inhabit that uh, that space um, with our work, which clearly now from what you're saying here is maybe not the case with this particular project. If you're looking for critique on a personal level through your music, is that not already saying that this music is to you a direct mirror for yourself and you're are you looking for valid 
validation a sense of your already critical view of yourself? That's a super <laughs> loaded and direct question, but I'm fucking yeah. dropping it. And second of all, because <clears throat> I see if someone if someone comes up to me and says like, oh man, that I really relate to this. I think that's a beautiful thing because it it means that our human experience is all too in the same, that there's only so many things we can all go through, regardless of there's millions of different scenarios, but the human uh, emotional response is more limited, which is actually really can make you feel less alone. Uh, put a lot out there in this long-winded question. Riff away, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of like the idea is like like the loaded part very in particular is yes. I do want someone to essentially validate my own self-criticism of myself. Mm. That's kind of what it is. But one thing I will clarify, it's not necessarily that I don't want people to like not see the parts of themselves through this project. I, I'd like, I'd love this to speak to people in their own way. It's the idea of like having the responsibility of like having to, <laughs> essentially have that communication with that person of being like, oh, like you essentially inspire me to look at myself because of this project. It's like, I don't want to be responsible for that conversation. That's the difference. It's the idea of it being like, I don't want to be responsible for someone's feelings towards that because those are the aspects that I hate in myself. So I'd be like, if that's what you see in yourself, then you should be going to therapy or taking care of yourself in different avenues. It's the idea that someone like, I listened to a couple of artists in particular. I'll name drop Earl Sweatshirt, people like that. That's kind of like their music is more of like an introspective view of the way they're seeing themselves, their emotions, their life, all of that. And I can see how it's emotionally taxing for artists like that to be glorified amongst their fandom and community because it's like constantly reminding that artist of the horrible things they went through for the sake of their own like emotional support blanket. I guess and like I don't I don't necessarily want to be particularly anyone's emotional support blanket. I want to just unload and if people see the parts of themselves that are there, I want them to analyze that within themselves because if I could analyze that within myself, it's very easy for anyone else to do it because I believe I was a very ignorant person for a long time. So if I had the ability to be able to do this and figure some stuff out, if someone figured some stuff out through my own music, and that's just hypothetical, I don't think anyone would, but just in case, it's the idea that like that person putting that responsibility on me being like, it's like in a way it's like, okay, well, they're, they're almost glorifying me. It's like, don't pedestal me. I've got two examples of this as two extremes that I want to talk about then. Because, um, and let me remember them off the top of my head. Yeah, got them, got them back. Um, first person who has actually been very vocal about this is Danny Brown. Danny Brown has spoken extensively about the fact that he made a lot of drug-fueled party music that talked about his depression, talked about his drug addiction, talked about spiraling out of control, and it was glorified as party culture. But he has said multiple times, he's got his entire album... Um, what's it atrocity called exhibition. atrocity exhibition thank you so much is all about is a, it's actually it's it's a warning it's saying that no 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 i am talking about cocaine i'm talking about all these drugs i'm talking about all these terrible crazy things that i'm doing but this is not glorifying it this is a warning to people but it doesn't get taken that way 
people still glorify it. People still look at the way that he lives and think, um, or lived. I think he's changed his lifestyle a lot now. He streams and um, just chills out in his house. Mad respect to Danny Brown. I love that guy. But he was glorified for that. Um, the other the other example I want to give, though, is Bojack Horseman from the show, Bojack. Um I weirdly relate so much to Bojack as a character, even though Bojack, who, uh, for people who don't know, is a uh, human-shaped horse man, um, hence horse man, uh, who is addicted to drugs. He's in Hollywood. He is uh, potentially sleeping with underage women. It's a, he's an absolute train wreck of a person. He is kind of like the worst version of what that male stereotype is in Hollywood. But because he's a cartoon character, he's so exaggerated, I find it really easy to actually relate the darker parts of my personality to him without... It's not glorifying because he's not a real person. He's a horse, man. And it's a way to kind of analyze that side of myself without... um, Yeah, again, without kind of glorifying it. Now, music, however, is inherently a personal thing and it's really hard to to detach yourself from the um from your personal side from your personal experience and the character that you are playing in your music because like it or not it is a character you don't know the artist you don't know the actual musician behind what you're behind who you're listening to and we were talking about before this podcast journeyman is you this project is mandrel man now, Mandrel Man for you was a char- is a character, is an exaggerated version of yourself. This is not necessarily who you are. So I actually think that enables it to be, it is you. You get to experience these feelings. You get to use this as your coping mechanism. But for the people listening, it's actually not on you what their experience is. It's actually a chance for them to see an exaggerated, a character. An extension. An extension. I find that incredibly interesting because you brought up literally like two of my five influences, Bojack and Danny, Danny Brown, because the primal spiral identifier came from the tie, like the, the first, I want to say the first track of atrocity exhibition, which is downward spiral. So really funny that you brought that up, but I find that interesting. Like the idea that like, yeah, we did talk about that. Mandrel Man is like the disconnection of who I am because it's like the extremitized version of myself and you're 100% correct there. And that's interesting. I didn't necessarily think about that as in I didn't necessarily think about the disconnection being that it's not really my responsibility from that point because it's like the exaggerated version of myself. Is that kind of what you're saying? Like am I correct there? So like, huh, I'm a little bit stumped there. That's a bit new to me. Okay, I didn't think like that. I was I thinking have a, of I have a counter, especially so I don't I don't particularly know I don't know that artist that you mentioned. I can't even remember his fucking name now. But do you know Bojack? I don't. I do know Bojack, but I don't think this is my point now. Is like relevant to that. But you're saying that he's spoken a lot about what he the music that he's made but he's spoken about how it's actually completely different to how it's been interpreted. But a lot of people don't consume podcasts about an artist in that way. And to take it at face value that 
this is the song, this is what it's about, this is how I should be living my life, this resonates with me, I think is a really, I think that's more powerful. And I think especially in hip hop in terms of its position on women, uh, position on, um, yeah, glorifying that more kind of dangerous kind of lifestyle but then the artists have conversations and articles are written and things like that. I don't think a lot of people consume that media. So it's still perpetuating that idea of this is an okay way to live. And I think there is a responsibility and I'm not saying that you have a responsibility for what you've released. I think more at that higher level of, um, of music that the influence is, yeah, is way more um, powerful but that I think there is still an element of responsibility that we have as, as creatives that we do talk about topics that people are going to relate to because we're all human beings and we're going to talk about something that's going to resonate with someone, whether it's they've experienced that or maybe that's what they think is going to resonate or that's the, the way that they should be living their life. Um, but I still think that we are in a position of we're putting art, we're putting a statement out there into the world and we do have a responsibility to back that up. And if we can't, then I think that's a problem. Well, I think it's funny that you say that because essentially I agree with you. I'm afraid of that concept though. It's like I agree with what you're saying. Totally. It's the idea of it being that because now I've put it out, like as if I didn't, if I truly didn't want the responsibility, like wholeheartedly, it wouldn't, you wouldn't know it existed, mm. right? Mm. Truly. But there's obviously a piece of me that's trying to throw myself into that responsibility, right? Mm. But you're not responsible for holding that space for people. But I think it's, it's recognizing that this is going to resonate with people. Mm. I don't know what the in between of that is. I don't know. It, yeah, you're not responsible for being a therapist to someone. And, and sitting down and spending three hours and talking about their experience of why that resonated with them. But to acknowledge, even just within ourselves, that this is going to connect with someone. And, and maybe it's just how we deal with someone coming up to us and saying that really connected. I had this experience. I really want to talk about it. Or, yeah, it's, it's how we navigate those conversations. Again, I'm not – I know that we're not at a level of – yeah, we have adoring fans, thousands of people coming up to us, but there is, we are talking about topics that are lived experience of other people. And I think that's really important to, to acknowledge. I think, um, I think that's where it becomes almost a little bit easier is like the fact that there is no platform for me right now, that it's the only people that are really going to be consuming this at all are going to be some of my friends. Mm. And for the most part, they're just going to look at it in a sense of not necessarily reflecting on themselves too hard. It's more mm. about like, hey, it's, uh, it's me, mm. it's Jared, you know what I mean? And like I think that's what makes it a little bit easier and I think that's where I'm just sort of getting, again, a little bit too egotistical about it. It's the idea that like one of my friends might see that as a reflection of themselves where I'm sort of thinking it from the sense of like the friends that I know and if they exhibit those characteristics, I want them to stop. <laughs> I think that's it's a little bit like intensifying for me is like I think um, the the aspects that I go like that's not the word like the the topics that I'm covering are all ones of the negative stereotypes of rap, mm. and then trying to juxtapose them in the same song. 
Like I'm trying to continuously contrast them. Like every song on that project has a verse that's the overt nature of the rap culture and then the adverse nature of the culture, whether it's like strength and vulnerability, mm. pro-women, anti-women, mm. all that kind of stuff. It's mm. this, the, the ability to look at it from both sides. That was the whole idea. Mm. But it's vague too. So the ability for it to get misconstrued is going to be very easy mm. to achieve. So I look at that and I go, that's my responsibility. At that point, I see your view of it being like, I do hold a responsibility for putting a certain something out there. And if it's coming across not how I imagined, yeah. that's technically my fault, yeah. right? Yeah. So it truly is fear. The approach behind removing myself and trying to not be responsible for that is a fear response. It's like, hey don't look at what I've said and make it about you or me. Just sort of leave it because it was mine is more of an idea of it being like, let's just put it to bed. And I think that's the idea of a kind of being like, I look at everything I say and everything I do and I scrape the living shit out of it with a fine tooth comb and constantly pick it apart post-release or whatever and go, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that. Why'd I do this? Don't listen to it. Or could you change the way that you have uh, – in my mind, I'm just thinking of a conversation that you have with someone post-gig. Mm. Could you change the way you hold those conversations rather than I don't, I don't want to hear about your experience? Mm. Can we, could we change the way that it's – can we talk about it in a more global sense rather than our lived experiences? As in like reflecting on like the references and not necessarily being about me and that person personally, but yeah. be like what it's like societal what Yeah. That's brilliant. Again, Maybe never we, thought about it. We like change that. it that way. Yeah. I agree with that entirely. Mm, I just came up with that. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> to to it's not to absolve the responsibility, but it's also to make it easier to navigate. Well to be proactive about the idea. Yeah. Because right? these aren't pleasant ideas. Yeah. So, like, let's put them to good use rather than it just be like a bloody trauma fest. Do you mm. know what I mean? It's like it's mm. not a trauma bonding experience. It's like, okay, let's collectively take accountability for shit actions and what we listen to and what we indulge in, like, through media and culture and try to make the better part of it cool again. Like, it's the idea that, like, we let essentially, like, womanizing drugs and, like, pimp and gangster culture be cool. We let it be cool. And it's like, I understand why that happened. I understand its worth to a lot more in depth and degree than most people will probably understand because I did a lot of research, but that's probably boring to talk about. So it's different, but it's the idea of it being like, I've, I've purposely tried not to do that because I'm not part of that culture. Not once was I indulging in that culture. And the only time I ever did was through media. And I learned some really bad social tactics through that culture and I'm trying to deprogram myself through that, but also trying to sort of be relevant. So I'm trying to give people both. I'm trying to almost be devil's advocate and like an activist at the same time, which is really contradictory. And it's the idea of appealing to a casual crowd that'll just listen to the song and just listen to it for a song, which most of the people I know would. 
And the few that are aware of what I'm saying will be like, what did you mean by that? And I can be like, do you know? And then hopefully build an audience around the people that might know that and still be able to like funnel in enough like crowd and identification, like identifier that like people can like see me as just like a musician and not someone that's trying to say something all the time. Because I think everyone's exhausted. Everyone's exhausted and desensitized mm. and we're constantly looking through all the horrible stuff that happens in the world every day and the last thing people want to hear from a 25-year-old suburban white boy is <laughs> being a gangster is bad for you. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so I tried to make it cool, but I, I tried not to go overboard. It's the idea that I, I think I made this EP once. I'm not going to put it out there because I don't want people to look for it. And it was, I did it in a very vague way and everyone thought I was being the opposite and it was embarrassing. It was like, okay, no one got the meaning everyone thought I was just being a prick. Like everyone thought it was like glorifying pimp culture and all this horrible shit. And I was trying to say the opposite. So this EP was like a redo of that EP, but I made it way more overt. It was like everything has to be incredibly understood at least to some degree. And the songs that aren't supposed to be understood are supposed to be just genuine like anger. Like it's just like me being angry and me putting it out there to like have my friends hold me accountable for like horrible shit that I could say and think about. So, yeah. Mm. Did you, you created music that was in line with that kind of culture and then you've shifted to being more authentically an extension of yourself. Is that there? Yeah, right. Yeah, to an extent. Like I think, Again, I'm still learning, mm. so I don't know if I've grasped it fully. Mm. That's why I tend to ask a lot of questions. It's more so like a, I'm doing my best to understand it and then also show what I do understand already mm. and how I'm viewing my understanding as mostly wrong, like morally wrong, like socially wrong in a sense, but like More so, it's more like, it's weird. It's like, I'm saying a lot of statements, but a lot of them are posed as questions. It's kind of like a, which one's right? Is it black or white? Or is this like an in-between? Mm. Because. You also don't have to know though. You're allowed to ask those questions. And like, how could I, right? Mm. How could I know? Mm. And I want to ask those questions. I'm hoping they're okay to ask those questions because mm. sometimes it's difficult. You got to pick your crowd, right? Mm. Have you had any encounters post-performance that have been memorable to you that have either positive or negative? I've had a really negative one. Let's do it. I had a... Uh, so much better. <laughs> yeah, right. Fuck better stories. Positive. Yeah, <laughs> fuck the positive stories. Um, this is quite recent too. Um, this is what I mean by like one of those previous EPs being quite damaging is um, I did a song that sort of, I had a real big hyperfixation on gang culture for a while because it just like scared the piss out of me and I just wanted to understand what it was about. And 
I made a song essentially being like, I don't crip and this is why I don't crip. And I met a gangster and <laughs> he, uh, he confronted me after this show and immediately started throwing up signs in my face. Now, I thought he like was in on the stop jo- sign or something, no, or like no. give way or like roundabout coming sign. up, full okay. blown like Fuck. gang signs in my face, <laughs> and in Northgate, right? So I'm like, he's obviously joking. He knows I'm joking. This is funny, so I laugh like a fucking idiot, and he shoves me against the wall and tries to fight me. So I get into a full-scale brawl and just as shit's about to like really pop, like punches about to be thrown, it's not just like a shoving match. This bouncer saves my fucking life because Lord knows I wasn't going to beat this guy. And he takes, like he tackles this motherfucker from the side, smacks him into like two fucking stools and drags the guy out by his neck. And I'm like, I think my life just got saved. And this is the idea of it being like, maybe we should be more overt with our words and not be so indirect. Because if you speak about shit you don't understand, you might get fucked up. There is a lot of uh, more intellectual questions and more metaphorical questions that could be asked. But why was there a gangster in Northgate? I have no fucking clue. What are you talking about? So, you know, radio bar, yeah? We've all been to radio bar. Can you imagine... Someone throwing gang signs in your face at fucking radio bar. No. That's technically not Northgate. That's Brunswick, in it? Anyway, it's same shit. Northside. Northside, right? Like, and yeah. No, that was startling. So I didn't think he was being legit. I thought he was like in on the joke somehow. It's That's a very how he fair reaction in Northgate. I've only met hippies and crepe lovers in, in, in Northgate. Being one myself. <laughs> I love my pancakes thin and saucy, baby. Nice and crepey. <laughs> I don't crepe. (laughs) (laughs) Tagline. Oh, brilliant. That was a good one. Also, we need to sample you. There's a part where you... There's a part where you said tangent was just like an under... We need to sample that in a house track at some point. Side note. Tangent. No, not that one. Not that one. (laughs) The good one. Wow. Yeah. That was my negative experience. I I find that fascinating, and I did. I I was always curious by that. Um, I don't crip, and he's throwing up gang signs. And I looked around, and I'm like, I don't, I don't think anyone knows what he's talking about here. I I know. I actually I brought it up to um, our photographer one time. Like, do you know what he's talking about? Like, oh, I thought, I can't know what she said it was, but she was f- so far off. She had no idea it had anything to do with gang culture in America. I was like. I find it, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I found it odd. I found it odd. And, I, and I, this is a fascinating... Well, that's why I thought I was off the hook. I was like, <laughs> no one's given a shit about that over here. And yeah. like, especially where I live, man, that's not like, that's not a thing at all. So it was like... No. But like, I consume a lot of that culture. Do you know what I mean? I consume a lot of that media. Like I listen to a lot of gangster rap. So it was like, I indulge in a lot of that music. So it was more like... I'm so yeah. curious though because gangster rap is so uh, location based. That's why you rap in postcodes, which is why we don't do it here because gang culture here is so drastically different. It's I don't. I'm sure there. I'm sure it exists to a degree mm. on North Side, maybe further out, but I don't think Northcote's seen a lot of seen a lot of gang violence. Mm. Um, 
there is things in Melbourne for sure, um, not that I've encountered, but I know it exists out there. But it's a very different, very, very different culture than in than in the states, um, and especially in LA, where where you're talking for, talking about. Um, I have no question. I'm just uh, dumbfounded by what this scenario was and who this guy was. I want to know who this guy was. Well, that's what makes it super interesting. It's like it's the idea that the only known like gangs in Melbourne specifically are all genuinely biker gangs. Well, generally biker gangs, right? And if not, it's foreign gangs that have already been established from overseas communities that have come here via whatever means. So I genuinely thought I was off the hook. <laughs> I thought I was fine. But that's why we don't assume is so we don't get <laughs> Kids, that's why up. we don't assume. <laughs> <laughs> Treat everyone in North Kent like a gangster. <laughs> just don't, don't, don't think you can just throw gang signs up. That's all I... Uh, that's all I'm saying. I've learnt from experience. Might get you in trouble. Um, I doubt anyone would do that. I'm the only one uh, annoying enough to do that. So. <laughs> that is not true. Would you say that would be your worst live performance? You know what was funny? That was like my best live performance. Too. <laughs> like, I freaking nailed it. That was a really good gig, but it just went tits up. But it was... I don't know. It was a really interesting experience. I'm glad I didn't get my head caved in. But I know it's interesting because, like, I recorded all of, like, the current EP, like Primal Spiral, after that experience. So I do have a song particularly called Not Crippin' and I went in on both sides. It was, like, pretending to be a gangster and then the second verse is, like, everything about why you probably shouldn't do that if you're not about that life or from those communities. And I'm really hoping that guy listens to it because if he's from Northgate, he's probably within our community somewhere. And if you're out there, mate, I'm really sorry and I hope you're doing well. And I'm sorry you got spear tackled into two stools. I didn't mean to uh, offend you and your culture. <laughs> oh my Have you performed since that gig? Nope. Amazing. By choice? What? By choice. This is recent-ish. This is after you. It's after you and Kelsey. Right, 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 right. What? Yeah. That's the thing. Talk to Ivory and everyone. Talk to them. Yeah, sorry. Yep. You want me to talk about it? Yeah, yeah. So... I'm doing it myself. I was complaining about you not being on mic and I was not on mic. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Professional podcast here at Vibe Union. <clears throat> what was the part we were going to go into after this bit? <laughs> um, yeah, well, I guess you, you have kind of focused. You have focused on what you have learned from that. Mm. You wrote an EP about it, you know, or you, you wrote a track about it and what you learned from that, that performance. Mm. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. It was such an interesting experience. I mean, radio bar getting crypt on. That was, I don't even know. Like that, that could have been a completely different gang. I, I'm not necessarily privy on the gang signs, but he did throw a lot at me. 
I feel like the more the throne, the less likely to be from a real game. Well, that's what I'm like. I'm like, was this guy like, like it's it's hard when you're getting pushed up at a wall to think, is the guy legit? It's more so, am I going to die? So I sort of thought about it like this guy could be a bigger fake gangster than I could potentially be. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting to me. And that's the thing. It was like... I think it was weird. Like during the whole process, I was kind of like tapping into the idea. I'm like, he shoved me against the wall. That hurt my ego. I'm going to fuck this guy up. But it's, that's such a weird territory to navigate in general because like violence is really fucking not what you know it as, especially if you've never grown up around proper violence. And I truly haven't. And the only times I've actually seen it has been as an adult and it has been one of the scariest moments of my entire life. So being a part of that situation, I kind of looked at it like this is really, really bloody dangerous. So the idea of like talking about it out of pocket and out of hand without the idea of it being like genuinely like a like an empathetic approach is really dumb because you get yourself in really terrible situations. So I learned a lot about myself that day. I learned a lot about how I treat those situations and I learned just how much I don't want to fight. So it actually was really helpful. I I got more out of that situation than I got something taken from me in that situation. So it's actually kind of nice. Okay, so I have a vague idea of when this happened now. Um, which may, And you said that you've written a song about that situation, post that situation. Um, which means this new EP uh, is recorded, um, written and recorded very, very quickly. Is that right? Yep. Right. Um, well, then my next question would be, okay, so uh, she was speaking, we spoke about this before, um, hit and record, like kind of what the point of this EP was. And, and, and for you, you've gone far more into depth to it now, but your initial uh, description to me was saying like, you just need something out. You got to get something on Spotify so you can kind of, when people say, hey, do you do music? Yeah, I do music. <laughs> Check me on Spotify. Yeah. So what's next, baby? Look, you know what's really <laughs> funny? That exact same dude that dropped me all the beats, I've got a whole other EP. Like it's done. But what? I'm going to wait for a bit because I'm cheeky and I like to like bank all the things up. So I've already done another one with the exact same guy that's the exact same energy, like the exact same type of bass, the exact same genre. But yeah, I'm just going to have to wait because I'm a vain prick. The thing that I think the two of you have in common is that you churn out a whole heap of work really. Both of you churn out a lot of stuff and I just like even looking at the difference of creative process between the three of us like I have very little to my name in terms of what I've released but the fact that the two of you have released a shit ton of work is very I I, I, I don't really know if I have a question it's more of an observation but just the difference in um, the difference in process and the difference in it's not at all saying that we have a different relationship with our work, but being able to churn out a lot of stuff and being able, and then I sit on a lot of stuff and I just, I don't know. Uh, the, I don't know if I have a point, 
but I just find it really fascinating. But this is the thing. I think that's in a lot of ways, I like in my opinion, just in my view, I think that's a smarter option. I tend to grab everything I got and then out of this drastic sense for instant gratification, it's like I've got to do it all now. Like all the songs I write, it's like in 15 minutes and it's all recorded on the same day. I don't mix and master them and I just chuck them out. It's like I can't sit on it because if I sit on it, I get bored. It's the idea it's like this is like fulfilling that need for me. This is like a form of dopamine. Making music is like get that shit out so you can feel better about life. But I think in ways I'm actually hindering myself because a lot of these songs, if I spent a bit more time with them, if I sat on it for a while, I could make this shit really good. That's the thing. It's like I I don't have that in me. Like that's not instinctual. That's something I'm, I'm going to have to learn and understand and develop over time. Whereas I think Wrath does it in a way better way of it being like, yeah, okay, it might be continuous in like a stream of regularity, but he's mixing it, he's mastering it, he's taking the time, he's coming up with concepts, building up a process and you're sitting on things, you're thinking about it, you're not necessarily giving everything all at once. And I genuinely believe that if I learned how to do that, it would probably come out as better. So like I envy all in a way. That's what I want to do. I want to do that kind of processing. I see the way you guys process music and I want to do it that way. I'm doing it in a way that it's it feels good at the time, but like now I'm like a day removed from releasing the project. I'm like, oh, I already want the next one because I'm bored. So this isn't this isn't healthy. Uh, quickly to speak on the technical side of things. Um, first of all, you're just at a different uh, spot in the journey because I've spent 10 years learning to mix and master and do all that kind of shit. Um, but I think a far more interesting point is, because my initial reaction to your question, sort of question, Georgia, was... <laughs> Sorry, weird dig. Um, was I think, I, I've thought about this before, that I think I use uh, music and... Um, general creation, I like just creating stuff. I like creating constantly. And I think it's both that, just enjoying the creation process, but also my way of communicating with people. I think that's actually my way of expressing myself to people where I struggle to communicate with people in a more social setting. And from the way you've spoken, Jared, as well, that it seems sort of a similar thing now and also uh, George we're working on your EP together and I've seen this process um, a bit more firsthand that you seem to be more really going in and processing a bunch of emotions this project for you seems from my perspective very very much like um, a therapeutic processing thing while similar for us in a way that we both Jared that we both have uh, things that we're processing through our music, but you said that you need stuff out just to be on Spotify because you're you're actually trying to communicate to the people in your community like I'm working, I've got stuff here, I am here's my music, and that's actually the same process for me right now. I'm releasing three EPs this year. I've released the first one, next one coming out pretty soon. <laughs> Check it out. Um, like it. It's it is a it's actually a. I, I broke it into EPs, which is actually your idea, Georgia, but I broke it into EPs. The thought behind it was like as a message like to the community that like I'm working. Here's my work. 
here's what I'm doing. And I'm, I, there's, there's emotion in it. There's, there's me processing shit. But we're approaching it, approaching it from a communication um, position of like, I've got, a, I've got something to say. Here is this message to you all. While it seems for you, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm wrong here. But it, I think we're approaching it emotionally from different places as well, which also I think explains the, the, the output. Totally agree. Totally agree. I think the thing that I really admire in the output from both of you is the continual commitment to improving on what you're doing. And you can only improve by churning out work. And I feel that I personally am not churning out anywhere near as much as what you both are or have done. And I really admire the, I finish this, get it out, move on to the next thing. Keep learning, keep working on what you're doing. And I really admire that. I also admire the approach that you have as well of release it. There's not a huge build-up. It's out. I'm going to release. Like I'm constantly looking at stories of yours and you've like released another track. And that's – I love that. There's just like a keep moving through it. It's not this – yeah, again, it's not saying that you're not connected to what you're releasing or it's not a big deal for you, but it's just like here's another thing. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to do another – I'm releasing more stuff. And I really I, – I like between the three of us the, the difference in our approach and the way that we represent ourselves within the industry. This sounds off topic, but it's not. I'm going to ask you a question. With your music in general, would you say that the majority of your music is emotionally driven? A hundred percent. There you go. Um, I don't think I know how to write anything that isn't. And that's the challenge that I'm trying to set myself this year. Do you find your musical influences are that of a more classical and mainstream variety like what are your inf- who are your influences what are your influences what genres are your influences I think I li- my influences are not necessarily the music that I end up making as in I don't feel like the music that I listen to is what I have in the past written or like as an extension of that absolutely emotionally driven and I think the artists that I listen to have an ex- to an extent have that connection. Uh, yeah, the, it's an in, it's an interesting difference between incredibly energetic and disco and sort of Afro sort of beats and music that I listen to, and what I perform is very like soul bearing. Acoustic guitar, ballad, and I don't really listen to that at all. It doesn't really resonate with me, but it resonates with me as a performer. But I also want to challenge myself, and I guess that's what this EP is, is it feels like it's moving away from that. Every time we sit down, every time I think about it, I'm trying to move away from that. Not that I don't like it, but... I want to have a more energetic 
experience on stage than what I do. Dare I say that's why you're sitting on music? Because it's not necessarily what you listen to. Maybe. Dare you say. Dare I say. (laughs) I think that's, generally, I think that's what's made it easy for me. Whether that gives you any guidance on anything. Like Mm. I listen to rap. I make rap. Not only that, I listen to the rap that I try to make. And then I try to listen to it and juxtapose it to the rap I listen to. So I'm constantly comparing it to the people that are my influence. So it's easy to churn out stuff because I'm never going to be as good as the guys I listen to. And that drive is going to continue to affect me, is going to butcher me and make me feel really uncomfortable. And then I'm going to be like, damn, this ain't good enough. So I've got to do it again until it's somewhat good enough. But I think, again, that's where it's like, I, I genuinely wish I was doing what you're doing. And I do it, I say it out of the sense of that I, it sounds pretty hokey, but like it's the idea I've always wanted to like sing, like absolute, like flood out a big old ballad and like write it something like it'd be real true to me. I know that sounds like I'm passionate, I'm not, but it's like, it's the idea of it being like something really, really genuinely a part of my fucking soul. And I haven't done that yet. So it's easy to churn out music because I'm just riding the waves of emotions and situations. I am disconnected from my music in a lot of ways. As soon as it's out, as soon as it's done, I'll listen to it a few times and then it's done and it's gone and it's in the bloody ether and it's easy to delete it. It's easy to never listen to it again. I've made about 200 songs. I think I listen to 10 of them. I don't care about them. It's, it's this idea of it being... I care about them while I'm making them because it feels super important and then it's done and it's gone forever. If you, I think if you spend the time crafting and honing it and making it something, you could probably listen to it timelessly forever. Do you feel that you're talking about topics that are sort of big scale moments of your life or are you talking about like I know the EP that you just released is kind of a this is a, a big chapter in your life that you're going through but the the music that you've released before just in terms of my understanding of what you're trying to say of what you're saying is like I talk about things that have been huge experiences for me and it's hard for me to not talk about it because it's so big and it's so overarching and it's hard for me to then not just disconnect from it because I guess I still am living those experiences. But do you feel like you're writing about those experiences for yourself? Is that why it's so much easier to disconnect and just not perform it and just be like, whatever, I'm not going to connect with that? I think it's difficult because the medium I chose was rap. Mm. And with rap comes... It's not a soul bearing. Not not to passionise any rappers out there because there's people like Kendrick Lamar who can do it brilliantly. Mm. But... Rap almost sullies the emotion. In a way, does that make any sense? Yeah. It's like the idea of it being like, I reckon if I sung it, like if I sat on a piano and really got into it, I could probably make a song that I would show my children. Do you know what I mean? Like I could probably do that in a way. But I think because rap is such a, it's cool. Do you know what I mean? It's actually, it's like a cool avenue of like approaching those emotions. It's almost like a disconnected way to approach those emotions, right? So it's, ne- it's never been like, 
I'm not necessarily talking about casual things. I'm talking about situations that have been a huge effect on me, both negatively and positively. And all of them have been either really, really pivotal moments or what, but it's almost withdrawn from the fact that every sentence rhymes, mm. right? It almost mm. feels like a Dr. Seuss version mm. of my life. It feels <laughs> juvenile. So I think the idea of um, like mastering the emotions could probably give me a sense to take it into a better medium. But I personally believe the medium and avenue that I could take my emotions down would be better suited to like a film. So when it comes to music for me, music's always going to be a secondary avenue because I'm a film kid at heart. That sort of deserves its whole uh, own podcast to get into. Yeah, we'll leave that. But um, I was going to say like there's also just the, um, the culture around it. And I mean culture of like release culture. So like... Um, I think these older genres like soul and rock and blues um, still, I guess, not being like that old in a sense, but like compared to something like hip-hop is a lot older and they came up in a time where your release schedule was dictated by labels, dictated by printing physical copies and dictated by magazines needing to print copies so that you can get your publicity out and hip-hop came up in a culture where that still existed but now the current style of hip-hop is so rooted in internet culture it needs to be fast songs are short songs like the average song length is now two minutes to 130 you know and i think it it does demand doesn't necessarily demand obviously the beauty of the internet means you can actually kind of do whatever the fuck you want you can sit on tracks and release them once every couple of years and make these things but it also encourages you to make this rougher rawer faster turnaround kind of content which i for I, I think both have their merits. I think both have their merits. Mm. I think the 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 beauty of this style of releasing, of releasing stuff fast, is you make a lot of mistakes really fucking quickly and you learn from them. Well, hopefully not everyone does. Some people release terrible music over and over and over and over and over again. But if you're if you're trying to be a better artist than you are releasing and analyzing, well, I just that point is just thinking about like trend chasing rapid content is is a different beast but kind of ties into the same place. Well, that older style of, of, of releasing is more, it sort of in, it inherently kind of uh, encourages you to write your masterpiece, to write this huge pivotal thing. Like bands back in the day might release three, four albums in the discography, while there's a lot of rappers who will, who will drop every year. Now, like currently, like it's it's fast. You got to you, if you're dropping projects, they need to be long. We're talking like hour to an hour and a half long. Like Drake's dropping like ninety minute records once a year. That's it's a different. It's a, such a different landscape. You're racking up streams. You got to get you got streams. You got to get into playlists. It's a very different reason to be making music, and you can explore those emotions. You can do all those things, but yeah, I think I think. The beautiful thing, though, is that we do live in this day and age that enables you to do... It encourages the rapid fire, for sure, but at least we have the avenues to do both, so you can still take your time to write the masterpiece and put it up on Bandcamp. You can self-publish. You're not relying on labels. But um, but at the same time, we also now have the avenue to put out our content constantly, and I, I enjoy that. I enjoy being able to release 
a song a day couple of songs a day if you want to at the time just to get it out there just to have fun explore it and it takes the pressure off people expect like you did it in half a day i expect i expect what i expect i expect the kind of quality that that would come from that both have their merits anyway i think as the host of this podcast <laughs> that's a beautiful place to wrap it up so Thank you, Georgia Delaney Martin, so much for being part of it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Oh, she's not on a mic. You can only hear that faintly. <laughs> Jared Mandrel Man, Journey Man, has a new project out. And by God, the link's in the description. I'm writing it now. Link in description so I don't forget. How do you feel? Had I feel fun? great. I had a great time. Thanks, guys. Excellent. <laughs> Um, catch Vibe Union at vibeunion.com.au we run events almost on the weekly in Melbourne we've got uh, man we've got poetry nights we've got dance nights of DJs we've got hip hop showcases we've got folk showcases drop us a like drop us a share drop us a comment sharing you have no idea how much it helps Th- throw it on your Facebook wall send it to your grandma send it to your to your your, your f- newborn baby sister and say oh one day you're gonna get it and that's it I've been wrath George is looking at me she doesn't she's not at all impressed by my hosting this has been the five year podcast thank you so much to sixpence for this outro music and the intro music he's a great producer bye <laughs> <laughs>